I was that kid that every youth group has a kid like me, just all in. I loved Jesus. I loved reading the Bible. In the early 2000s, Elisa Childers shared her faith around the world as part of the Christian pop band Zoe Girl. But a short time after the band broke up, Elisa's faith broke down. I just felt like I was going under the waves of doubt and I was drowning. If you've ever struggled with hard questions about your faith, this podcast is custom made for you. This is GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Elisa Childers discovered that a lot of Christians wrestle with doubts or questions at one time or another. Well, this is something Billy Graham knew too, and you'll hear what he had to say about it a little later in the episode. What is truth? Men all over the world today are engaged in searching for truth in every realm of life. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You can learn more about what that means at findpeacewithgod.net. We also want to tell you about our 24-hour prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. Now, whether you go online or pick up the phone, a real person is ready to chat with you anytime, day or night. And both that phone number and the website I just mentioned are listed in the show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. My name is Elisa Childers. Elisa has lived in Nashville for many years, but she grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were just really wonderful, sincere Christians. When Elisa was very young, she prayed with her mom to accept Christ. I just remember thinking it was more of a formality because I already had a relationship with Jesus. I was already, I'd already given my life to him in the best way I knew how at, you know, however old I was, five or something. Her dad was a Christian musician and Elisa was very involved in church. I was that kid that every youth group has a kid like me, just all in reading and studying the Bible, getting up early to do devotions. You know, as I, as I grew up, I was at every mission trip, every youth group meeting in camp that, that was offered. I just, I, and it was really genuine. I loved Jesus. Her faith went beyond words. Elisa actively loved and served others in the name of Jesus. It was really important to my parents that we help others. And so I grew up working the soup lines at the Fred Jordan Mission with my mom on Skid Row uh, on weekends and quite a few Christmas Eves. I remember us going down there and serving and then doing street evangelism with my dad. So we would set up with karaoke boxes and do music and on Hollywood Boulevard. And so I really got to see the gospel. When Elisa was in her early 20s, she sent a demo tape to two friends of the family who were in the recording industry. That was the start of Zoe Girl. The year was 1999. It was a wild ride for about seven years or eight years, I guess. Uh, we toured with Carmen and Avalon and Newsboys and Toby Mac and all the, all the people. And I had some tension with some of the ways that the industry worked by that point. But uh, overall, it was, a, it was a really cool experience getting to minister to young girls and hopefully help them to be courageous with their faith and stand up for Jesus. 
Alisa also met her husband through the band. His name is Mike, and he was the drummer. By 2007, Alisa and the other core members of Zoe Girl were moving into a new season in their lives. We were all married and starting to have kids. And, you know, mostly I was so burned out. I was so burned out from touring and and all of that. And so shortly after we stopped touring, I had my first baby, my, my daughter, Dylan. And I was doing some solo music at the time. A church in Nashville invited Elisa to come and lead worship. She and Mike felt an instant connection with the church and the pastor, and they started attending each week. About eight months after, the pastor invited me to be a part of a smaller type study group. And I was really excited about that because I'd never really done the intellectual work. I didn't know much about church history. I I never had studied systematic theology or hermeneutics or any of that stuff. And so I was pretty excited. Um, But what I didn't realize at the time was that the pastor was really agnostic. He told us that in the first class. You heard that right. The pastor of Elisa's evangelical church was a self-described hopeful agnostic. He didn't know whether God existed. On Sunday, he preached from the Bible as though he were confident in his faith. On Wednesday nights, though, it was a different story. Rather than being more like a seminary class where you're studying all this stuff, it was really more from a skeptical angle. So we were reading these skeptical books. And and I remember the pastor even saying, once you learn these things, you'll never be able to unknow them. It became very clear early on that finding answers wasn't the goal. The goal, as Elisa discovered, was the deconstruction of her faith. Deconstruction has become a buzzword in the Christian world. Simply put, it's the intentional dismantling of the tenets of the Christian faith. Everything is questioned, from the accuracy of the Bible to the resurrection of Jesus. For some, the goal of deconstruction is to find answers to their hard questions and eventually grow stronger in their faith. For others, though, the goal seems to be to abandon faith entirely or to twist it beyond recognition. That twisted version is sometimes referred to today as progressive Christianity. In progressive Christianity, it's really not so much about finding the answers. It's about asking the next question. And so it's, it creates this culture of doubt, where, whereas if a Christian goes through doubt, I would see it as an obstacle. Like you, I want, I want to face my doubt. I want, to, I want to talk through it. I want to process it. I want to provide a safe place for other people if they're going through doubt. That's why I do apologetics is to help people with their doubts. But the goal would be to help them resolve the doubt at some point. But in progressive Christianity, if you, if you land, if you, if you become solid in a position of something, you know, kind of question that you, you asked, you're viewed as not as enlightened. Elisa learned all of that later. Back when she was taking that class at church, she did not know what she was up against. It was just like my faith was getting wrecked and we just, we had to get out of there. So she and her husband left the church, but the spiritual attacks continued. I mean, I was troubled in the class, but after we left and I was isolated, kind of no church community, all of those doubts took root and grow. And I went through my own crisis of faith that I never dreamed I would go through. I mean, that's when... I just felt like I was going under the waves of doubt and I was drowning. And so I just cried out to God one night uh, when I was rocking my, my baby and just begged him to send me a lifeboat because I felt like I was drowning in that doubt. It wasn't long before the first lifeboat arrived. While she was flipping through the radio, Elisa stumbled across a program that was tackling the hard questions of Christianity, like her pastor had done, except this time there were answers. And the answers were backed by science, logic, and historical evidence. This was Elisa's first encounter with apologetics. 
which is the defense of the Christian faith. I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this, but I didn't know that anybody could answer what this pastor was saying. Um, I, I remember having a hunch like, okay, so he's got access to all this information and he's come to this conclusion. Surely there's somebody else out there that has access to this same information and has come to the opposite conclusion. And I'd really like to find that person. You know, what I didn't know is that Christians have been writing, you know, I mean, go back to Aquinas and Augustine. They're refuting this stuff for 2000 years, going back even to Justin Martyr in the second century. And discovering all of that, I think, was huge. Once Elisa dug deeper into apologetics, it didn't take her long to come back to her faith. I looked at some arguments for the existence of God and became pretty convinced fairly quickly that I think it's logically necessary that God exists. And then And then from there, it was like to the Bible, is it reliable? Is it what I always thought it was? And so I I knew that if it it ended up being what I thought it was, then the person of Jesus would be settled and all of that stuff would be settled. Elisa discovered that the Bible's multiple eyewitness accounts of Jesus' resurrection are historically reliable. In fact, in many cases, they're more reliable than other pieces of ancient history our culture accepts as fact. And she learned about the other historical documents, all separate from the Bible, that mentioned Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. With each thing I learned, it was like just more and more confidence was was growing in me over what I believed. And I, if I'm honest, I was sort of just thinking, man, if I if I get enough to slide by and say, okay, this is reasonable enough to believe, I would have been happy with that. But I couldn't believe just the mountain of evidence for not just the existence of God, but the truthfulness of the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus, all of these things just blew my mind. I didn't know any of that really existed. And this is how Elisa's deconstructed faith began a long process of reconstruction. I went from a real dark time of doubt to being, you know, fairly settled pretty quickly. And then just listening to lectures every day and podcasts every day. I couldn't, I didn't have a lot of time to sit down and read because I had, you know, two small babies at this point, but um, just listening whenever I was doing dishes or laundry or cleaning, I would be listening to apologists and it, um, everything I listened to just boosted my faith. Later on, Elisa even started auditing classes at Southern Evangelical Seminary. And that's where she learned she had a knack for defending her faith. Her mentors encouraged her to start a blog, which she did. And it has since resonated with people around the world. Today, Elisa also has a podcast, and she recently wrote a book entitled Another Gospel? A Lifelong Christian Seeks Truth in Response to Progressive Christianity. It's, you could say, a part memoir, part apologetics. Here's a taste of the apologetics part. We asked Elisa what she would say to someone who doesn't believe Jesus rose from the dead because they don't believe the Bible is accurate or trustworthy. There are 10 or so, maybe nine or 10, non-Christian and mostly even hostile to Christianity, historical documents that mention Jesus within 150 to 200 years of his life. And there are several things you can actually know about Jesus, even if you totally put the Bible aside. You can, you can actually get to the resurrection if you without even opening a Bible. So maybe start there. But if they'll grant the historical document, then you go to Jesus and you say, well, you know, if uh, here here's here's what Jesus said about X, Y, and Z. What do you think about that? Or um, even using the New Testament, you know, we have four independent 
sources on the life of Jesus that's corroborated by secular and and non-Christian history that say at least that his followers believed that they had seen him alive again and their lives were radically changed to the sense, to the fact that they were willing to be tortured and killed for that belief. So how do you explain it? And, and I think that that is enough to put a pebble in someone's shoe to kind of make them a little bit uncomfortable and think, I got to think a little bit more about this. Elisa has also studied the claim that differing accounts of Jesus's death and resurrection must show that he never actually rose from the dead. She used as an example the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Many of the thousands of eyewitness accounts do not match up perfectly, but everyone agrees the attack was real. Every single person that you talk to that was alive in America can tell you exactly where they were. They can tell you what was going on because it was such a big event. So if we look at the resurrection of Jesus, um, you know, I might not remember what I had for breakfast that morning, but I remember where I was. I remember what the, what the TV looked like that I was looking at. That and, and here's the thing, too. Even if we got all those facts wrong, what does everybody agree on? That it happened. Everybody who remembers remembers that it happened. And that's the thing you got to, you got to deal with, with the resurrection is, okay, you know, I think all of the um, differences in the accounts can be resolved because that's what eyewitness testimony does. People get, uh, there are always differences in authentic eyewitness testimony regarding details because people were looking at things from different perspectives. They they had different emphasis based on their personalities and things, and they're going to report things differently. But let's even say we can't resolve them. What do they all agree on? They all agree. Jesus was resurrected. And they were resolute in that, going to their deaths, claiming that. So that's what I think the skeptic has to deal with. Elisa has something in common with the apologists she has studied. She finds herself spending a lot of time defending the resurrection of Jesus. Christianity stands or falls based on the resurrection. Paul said this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain and you're still in your sins. He's basically saying you could actually prove this wrong if the resurrection didn't happen. And that's the one thing they're all saying did happen. And so I think skeptics have to wrestle with that. I've heard it said that a little bit of studying will make you an atheist, but a lot of studying will make you a Christian. And a lot of studying is exactly what Elisa has done, all while raising two children who are now 12 and 9 years old. She regularly hears from people who were struggling with doubt when they stumbled across her speaking or writing and then got their faith back. You know, I look back at the time of being in that class just feeling like my entire worldview was crumbling. I couldn't feel the presence of God. I... I I begged him, let me feel your presence like I used to when I was, you know, in those worship services and all of that. And I couldn't feel anything. And I look back on that and I can just like in my mind's eye, he never left me. He was always there. And in his just sovereign wisdom, let me walk through that so that my faith wouldn't be based on those feelings, but that it would be based on um, so much more, you know, solid evidence and true faith. And, and not that I didn't have true faith before, I believe that I did, but it was so reliant on those feelings. And it was God's mercy to take those feelings away so that I would have to dig deeper and have to go through this really difficult few years so that I could come out on the other side and help other people. And He's so good and faithful. Because the truth is. You alone are God And the truth is You are high and lifted up And I will praise you 
If you're struggling with doubt, we want you to know that you can have the same kind of confidence Elisa Childers has found. We have a lot of free resources on our website, findpeacewithgod.net. Click on Grow in Your Christian Faith. And if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus, you can click on Begin a Relationship with Jesus at the same site. The address again is findpeacewithgod.net. Elisa says there are very few churches that aren't being influenced in some way or another by the progressive Christianity movement. In just a minute, you're going to hear some of the warning signs that uh, you might want to watch out for. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. What is truth? Men all over the world today are engaged in searching for truth in every realm of life. Billy Graham. There has never been a more penetrating question ever asked than the question asked by Pontius Pilate 2,000 years ago to Jesus Christ. What is truth? Jesus had already said to his disciples, I am the truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If Jesus Christ is the incarnation of truth, then nothing else in life matters except him. I should follow him. You have to decide whether he is what he claimed to be, or whether he is a fraud. Jesus says, I will set you free. I will forgive your sins. I will change your life. You must come by faith. That's the reason Jesus said, you must become as a little child. You must come with childlike faith to God, to Jesus Christ. There's a powerful reminder there from Billy Graham. In a sermon he preached in 1959, what he said over 60 years ago, though, still rings true today. And if you'd like to listen to that full message, you can find a link to it in the show notes. Today, we heard Elisa Childers' story of losing her faith and then finding it again. One of the saddest parts of her story is that her faith was pulled apart at church. And this is shocking. Elisa has since learned her experience is common. An increasingly brazen group of people who claim the Christian faith are denying that the Bible is true and inspired by God himself. A church or preacher who devalues the Bible and views it as flawed or purely man-made That is red flag number one. Because from there, it's a slippery slope. The church might deny or de-emphasize the sinfulness of humans and our need for redemption through Jesus, falsely making the gospel irrelevant. And a lot of Elisa's book, Another Gospel, is in response to the progressive Christianity that's creeping into churches, even churches that would claim to trust in the Bible. There are very few churches that aren't influenced in some way. That's why it's such a big deal right now. It's it's many progressive Christian authors are published on major Christian publishing houses and speaking at conferences and being invited to, uh, you know, evangelical churches. And so it's it's something that's happening in the evangelical church. Um, and and a lot of people it takes a while to spot it. Sometimes it can be a shuttle, a subtle shift. And so um, hopefully my book will give people language for what they might be even seeing happening in their own churches. We're thankful that Elisa Childers took the time to share her story and her insights with us on this episode of GPS. If what you've heard has made you want to commit or recommit to Christ, we'd be honored to help you take that step. 
Just visit findpeacewithgod.net. You can chat with one of our trained coaches 24-7 or enroll in a free online course to help you grow in your faith. Some of us are more comfortable when we are talking one-on-one with somebody. And if that describes you, there is someone waiting to speak with you right now at our 24-hour prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. Somebody would count it an honor to talk to you right now and pray with you. That number and website, by the way, if you didn't catch it, no worries. It's in our show notes. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. I trust you because